All right, good morning, everyone. Happy almost Labor Day to you. Um, I am Steve Keller. If you don't know me, I know we, sometimes we have visitors on holidays or maybe visitors online. So it's good to have you today. We are, as Donnie said in the beginning, we're in the midst of a long sermon series on the Holy Spirit. Um, we're getting to know the Spirit of God, the person, the work of the Holy Spirit. And as Donnie also said, what we've been doing so far is, is just getting to know the Spirit historically in Scripture. So we spent some time in the Old Testament um, looking at the Holy Spirit's work there, and uh, we must, we kind of had to conclude that day that He was quite busy in the Old Testament. And then we looked at the Holy Spirit in the life and the ministry of Jesus, so much work of the Spirit there. And then last week, we talked about the Holy Spirit in the first church and how this new group of believers, you know, that w we would have been like them, kind of trembling out of the gate, following Jesus Christ. They're empowered by the Spirit of God, and it's just amazing how God is glorified and the church is built, and here we are, e even today, because of what they did. And so today what we're going to do is we are, we are not going to take the turn that I think most people would think we're going to turn take, which is to talk about spiritual gifts. Um, we are going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit for nine weeks, and the reason we're doing that is because God's greatest work in us is always that inside job. Um, it, it, it is the heart that gives birth to a new life. And so we're going to spend some time doing that. I, I thought of Ezekiel eleven nineteen as I was preparing this week, where God says, I will give them an undivided heart. I will put a new spirit in them. And so uh, we're going to take that road for a little while. Um, just so you know, we find the fruit of the Spirit in Galatian uh, chapter 5. And there Paul is writing to the Galatian church. And um, he's actually a bit concerned for them in this book. We see this over and over again in the book of Galatians. And he's concerned because this is a church that has gotten off track spiritually. Um, great beginning, you know, all just the stuff of a, a brilliant, vibrant church plant, but they, they really take a left turn here, and we hear that throughout the book. Um, verse 7, actually, in chapter 5 is one example where Paul writes, and he says to them, you were running such a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? And the problem here, specifically, is uh, that the Galatians have started out, and it is all about Jesus in the beginning. I mean, man, it is salvation and life, and they get the, the, the mission of Jesus, and they're all about it, and they're shining brightly in their community. It's a wonderful church, but then some time passes, and they just kind of together as a church wander into a religious swampland. Um, they, they get all caught up in religious rule-keeping, you know? And, and listen, we, we have commandments, right? We, we have rules in Scripture, but they've become captured by them. They've become a slave to just these rigid religious rules, and they've even devolved to the point of arguing about circumcision as a church, you know, kind of looking throughout the body and going, hey, have you been circumcised? Have you been circumcised? And just, it, it, they, they've, faith has just become for them about measuring up. Um, it's become about, you know, being better than the person next to you. And so Paul confronts them here. And what he's doing is he's calling them back to Jesus. He's calling them back to life in Christ. And specifically, he's calling them to walk in the Spirit, into life in the Spirit, 
which now brings us to 14 verses of Scripture, which are absolutely wonderful and incredibly practical. All right, Galatians 5, 13 through 26. Listen to this. Enjoy it because it is a gem. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. And that's the penalty of the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Let me pray for us. Oh, Father, thank you. Thank you so much for this passage of Scripture. God, thank you for the practicality of it, the livability of these verses of Scripture. We are so grateful. And God, we just pray today that as we take communion, as we have worshiped, as we pray, God, as we hear your word proclaimed, that you would awaken us, Holy Spirit, that you would awaken us to the love of God that is in Christ Jesus and is poured out by your Holy Spirit. Would you do that, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so again, what is Paul doing here? Paul is getting practical, and Paul's getting real with the church, and and he launches into a subject that really ought to interest us, okay? This is a subject that is very dear to the heart of most Americans, freedom, right? We love us some freedom in the United States of America, okay? So Paul starts talking about this, and, and, and he says, look, God has called us as his people. God has called us to be free, but we need to be very clear about what spiritual freedom is, all right? You knew there would be a twist, right? Right off the bat, there's a twist. Um, freedom does not mean that we fill our lives with every little thing that our hearts desire. Um, freedom is not a life that's all about my rights and, you know, what I got coming to me. Um, it, it's not about, you know, my own way. Uh, Freedom is also not about you and I throwing our weight around, right, in different groups of people and pushing our way to the front of the line. Freedom 
in Christ. Spiritual freedom is actually much different from that. Freedom here means, according to Paul, that we get to step out of that, right? I mean, the the kind of freedom we just talked about, that's a trap, right? That is life apart from Christ, you know? It's about number one. Well, freedom in Christ is we get to step out of that and we get to step into loving other people, serving other people. In fact, says Paul, just like Jesus said it to us, the whole law of God is fulfilled in the command of loving others as we would have loved ourselves. Have you ever thought about how big that statement is, that the whole law of God is contained in the law of love? It's absolutely fascinating. In fact, Paul says here, look, the only thing that counts, spiritually speaking, is faith expressing itself through love. I mean, Paul is bottom-lining it. You know, you ever wanted, uh, uh, give uh, give us a nutshell, right? Boil it down. Bring it to a nutshell. Cut to the chase. Paul has cut to the chase for us here. So hear it again. We are set free from sin and selfishness and set free to love and serve. And because this is so, so practical here, Paul actually tells us how to do it. He says, look, if this is what you want, As the people of God, to say yes to God in this way, here's how you step in to the freedom that I'm talking about. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. And then I love Paul for doing this. Then he goes into a little teaching about flesh and spirit that's incredibly helpful in verses 17 and 18. And he says, look, when it comes to the flesh and the spirit, these two are polar extremes, that they're absolute opposites. The flesh and the spirit are directly contradictory to one another. They're in conflict with each other. They are polar extremes. So much so that when you walk in one, you avoid the other completely. I, I, I find that fascinating. When you serve and obey the desires of your flesh, you deny the spirit of God. But on the other hand, when you obey and serve and walk in the Spirit of God, you you deny your flesh. So we have victory over the flesh when we walk in the Spirit. That's Paul's point. And wonder of wonders, miracle of miracles, we can have victory over the flesh. You know what I love about this is this is not some ancient maxim that worked in another culture. Paul is telling us today we can actually have victory over our flesh. We can walk by the Spirit, and we can enjoy the freedom of life in Christ. We do have a choice. We are free to say yes to the Spirit of God. Now, if, if you're reading the subtext here, Paul is making another little point and the point is partnership, you know? I love that Donnie did this, uh, he did this about a year and a half ago. We were struggling to really communicate what membership meant in the church. And, and so one Sunday he got up and he said, you know what membership is? Membership is partnership. We are in this together. And Donnie, I love you for that. But that's Paul's point here when it comes to spiritual life. We are in partnership with the Spirit of God. Now here's the really good news. The really good news is, you know who does all the heavy lifting? It's God, the, the, the Spirit of God. He does all the heavy lifting, you know? Salvation, um, transformation, eternal life, abundant life, 
Uh, let's see what else I can think. A spiritual gifting. Those are all his work in us. There should be a collective in the body of Christ. We don't have to do that, right? I mean, we can't do that. That's his work in us. But we do play a role. This is our walk. We genuinely are a part of this thing in that ours is to obey. It is to say yes to the work of God. You know, Jesus in John talks about us remaining in him, us abiding in him. That, again, that's a part that we play. So that leads Paul now to get really specific about both the flesh and the spirit. Now, I love this again for him. He boils it down even further, and, and now he goes into specifics about that deadly predator in our lives. And he, he, he does not beat around the bush or avoid the subject. He talks about the works of the flesh, and these are all those things that lead us away from the kingdom of God and lead us into life. And we have children in the room today, so I'm not gonna define every one of those. Um, you've got those in your Bibles. You heard them read just a moment ago. But um, Paul talks about that, and he says, look, you, folks, we've gotta avoid this stuff. And, and it's really tempting, okay? And, oh, and by the way, when you look at the list that, that he goes into, you know, witchcraft and all of it, you look at the list and it feels, even upon the reading, really chaotic, really wild. You know, in the song we sang, it, th those sins feel really noisy and that's on purpose because that's what sin does in our lives. Sin brings chaos, Sin really brings a lot of noise into our lives spiritually, and so it's all there, but it's really tempting for us as Christians to do this, to look at the list and to go, Whew, I am out of the woods when it comes to this list, to pick out the really extreme ones and go, you know, I have not been practicing witchcraft, I have not been, you know, bowing down to idols, I'm all good, but we have to take a good look at the list and realize that sprinkled in there are sins that are very common to every single one of us. You know, jealousy, division, uh, you know, rage, anger, things like that. And Paul's point here is that all sin is a work of the flesh. And he even includes that little tagline. We laughed about it in preaching um, this week. You know, Paul even says at the end of that, I think it's like 15 cents, he goes, and the like. And what he means is everything out there that's like these things. So he's saying, look, all sins are works of the flesh. All sins lead us away from God. But again, what I love is that Paul's remedy for sin is not snap out of it. You know, hey guys, get it together. Now look, we need some perfect behavior out there in the body of Christ. I mean, that's actually the problem in the Galatian church, right? That's been the problem with the Pharisees. Generate a big chore list and spiritually, you know, white-knuckle your way to heaven. That is not Paul's answer. Again, um, his answer is to walk in the Spirit. And so for the next five verses, 22 through 26, Paul goes in to uh, the fruit of the Spirit. He talks about what we are to walk in, what we're looking for, what we are to grow in. And for me, every time I read this, I just get this picture with the, with the fruit of the Spirit. It's like Paul is just laying before us the most wonderful feast imaginable. He is calling us to the table. And by the way, with fruit, I think we all have to acknowledge this. Um, I can plant, a, plant an apple tree, right? I can water the apple tree, I can fertilize the apple tree, I can plant it in a place where it'll get a lot of sun. I can't make that fruit grow, right? 
The same is true with the fruit of the Spirit. We don't generate the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. This is the transforming work of the Holy Spirit, His power in our lives. And of course, at the top of the list, right, El Numero Uno, right, is love. It is the love of God from the greatest commandment. Paul threw it out there in the beginning, love your neighbor as you would have yourself, gulp. Well, then he goes right into that kind of love of God. And the question we have to stop, I think, and ask ourselves is, oh boy, how in the world are we going to access this love? I mean, in, in the Greek, just so you know, in the English, when we read the word love, we get one word, love. It applies to everything. In the Greek, there are four words for love. Um, f- so when you read love, it could mean one of four things every time you see it in Scripture. There is storge, okay? Um, storge is empathy. It's compassion for someone, all right? So there's storge. Uh, then there is eros, and husbands and wives, that is the love, that is the romantic love in your lives that I know is as strong today as it was the day you said I do, right? It's even stronger. So we have eros, romantic love. Then we have phileo, and that is uh, the, the love between friends. Philadelphia, right? The city of brotherly love, okay? We've got those, and here's the really good news about those three kinds of loves. They are all natural, They are all human. They come in relationship with one another, walk on this earth, relate to anybody, and you will experience storge, eros, and phileo. But the problem here is Paul is not talking about those three. He is talking about agape. He is talking about the love of God. Okay, and let's just define that a little further. The love of God is unconditional. That means no matter what you do in your life, and sin is bad, right, all that, no matter what you do, God's love is set on us. You you can't offend God and him go, that's it, I don't love you anymore. It doesn't happen. The unconditional, perfect love of God. It is a serving love. Uh, It's a humble love. It is a sacrificing, giving love, right? The cross, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that is the love of God. Agape love is supernatural, And by supernatural, it puts other people before ourselves. I contend for every one of us, that is a supernatural thing. But that's agape love. It is the perfect love that only God can give. And there I did, I just answered the question. How do we get it? It's a gift from God. You only get agape love from God. Best news ever, that's the Holy Spirit's job description. That's what the Holy Spirit has come to do for the people of God. Romans 5.5 5 reads a little differently in some of your Bibles, but, but it says the Holy Spirit is the one who pours the love of God into our hearts. In some of your Bibles, it says the Spirit of God has shed abroad the love of God into our hearts. Just getting at that lavish, abundant nature of how much love the Holy Spirit has just come to, to, to give us. That's our birthright as, ch- as children of God. That, that's our gift. But then that brings up another question, right? Some of you are thinking it right now because I know somebody else who thought this question this week. If that is true, if the Holy Spirit pours out the love of God into the children of God, then why don't I feel it? 
Why are there seasons of my life that are like a desert when it comes to the love of God? Why sometimes when I'm singing these words on, on the screen the, about the glory, the majesty, the wonder of God, I, I, I mean, there's just nothing going on inside. Why, why sometimes do I read the word of God and it's just a beautiful, brilliant, gripping passage of scripture and my heart is so far away? I want the love of God. I pray for the love of God. I want to be a living embodiment of the love of God. I know somebody who prayed that last week, all right? One of you in this room prayed that last week. You know, Lord, my heart feels stony, and we're not going to point out who it is, okay? I'm not going to tell you who it is, all right? But somebody prayed that prayer. I prayed that last week, and right, listen to this, you're going to love this, right after I prayed it, it hit me what's going on in Galatians 5, it hit me why Paul lists all those sins. I saw it, and I love this about the Word of God. You, know, you can read it a thousand times, and boom, one day something new comes out. So I'm reading it, and I realize Paul lists these sins right after he talks about freedom, right after he talks about love, and right before he talks about the fruit of the Spirit, because, are you ready for it? Drum roll. Because all of these sins and every other sin out there, those are substitutes for the love of God. They're substitutes for the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, listen, you, you know how it is when you, you know how we feel after we sin. You know how it is when we walk in sin. That stuff fills up so much space in our heads and our hearts and our spirits and our minds. This, this is what, what sin does. It separates us from the love of God. It, you know, it robs us of, of life in God. It brings death. And so a lot of times we struggle to feel the love of God honestly because we get cluttered up with a whole lot of other stuff, a whole lot of sin in our lives. And I just want you to know today, if you are struggling with sin in any way, and I know there's always the odd person that goes, not me, baby, I am free, I am clear, uh-oh, you better go to 1 John quickly, because it talks about those of us who claim to be without sin. But look, if, if we find ourselves struggling, the, don't fall into shame, despair, and condemnation. That's what the enemy wants to happen with sin, right? Pull out the condemnation stick and flog ourselves. There is no condemnation in Christ. The answer for sin, and we all know this, is simply to embrace the gift of repentance. And repentance is such a gift. To think that at any point, because Jesus Christ died for me to set me free, at any point in my life, no matter what it is, I can turn to God and I can confess that sin. And he is faithful and just to forgive it to make me clean all over again. I, I can receive forgiveness in that moment. Confession, receive is forgiveness. But then there's the trick, right? The real trick is stepping away from it. You know, maybe it's one of those little kind of not big deal sins, you know, of gossip. Some of these are very easy to step away from. You know, I'm, I'm not gonna talk like that anymore. I'm not gonna respond, uh, you know, with offense and indignation. Some of these are very easy to step away from. We confess it, we receive forgiveness, and we just say, God, I'm getting back on track with you. Some of them are a little tougher. Some of them we have trouble getting away from. I want you to know this in the body. If, if you are someone here who's really fallen into a habit of sin, and you just find yourself without even meaning to be there, or maybe you're addicted in some way, 
Folks, that's what the body of Christ is for. I want you to know church should be a place where we come and not we feel bad about ourselves, you know, and how we don't measure up, but church should be a place where we find healing, we find freedom, we find life. Together, we fan the flames of our first love for Jesus Christ through worship, accountability, through, through helping one another. A fresh experience of God's love ought to happen in the church of Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you this, as your pastor, this is what I am praying for, for our church and for the church of America, all over the place. I am praying for a fresh experience of the love of God all across the body of Christ. You know, I I think back to the great awakening, because by the way, there have been more than one great awakening in this country. I I think back on those times in church history where um, the Spirit of God moved among the people of God and moved them out of complacency and just kind of showing up spiritually and renewed passion and love and joy and excitement about God and the kingdom of God. I think about that. I think about a guy I went to college with. Um, Jane, Jane, you'll remember this guy. Uh, his name is Randy. Uh, and Randy was the most lost person I have ever met in my life. To this day, I've never met anybody as lost as Randy. Randy, one day, when we were in college, he heard the word of God. And then in the next moment, he experienced the love of God. He was transformed and became a walking billboard for the salvation and the love of Jesus Christ. I mean, everywhere at ASU, people were going, what in the world happened to Randy? Let me tell you my story. He would just do that. I think that's the love of God. I think about those, those two um, kind, of, uh, kind of confused followers of Jesus, right? Right after his resurrection, they're making their way to Emmaus and, you know, they're disappointed, they're confused, they thought Jesus was gonna do this and that. They don't, they don't know what to make of spiritual life. They don't know what comes next. And then right out of the side road, who comes along with them? Jesus, they don't recognize him, but he walks and talks with them along the way and then he leaves and then they say it when he walks away, did not our hearts burn within us? as he walked and he talked with us along the way to to Emmaus. And then, brothers and sisters, I think about the promises attached to the love of God for us in the church. You know, I I think about 1 John 4, 18. Perfect love casts out all of our fears. Amidst the headlines and what comes next and who's about to push what button, perfect love casts out all fear for the people of God. I think about Proverbs uh, 10, 12, and 1 Peter 4, 8. Love, the love of God, covers all wrongs, a multitude of sins. I think about all of that, and I pray for a very real, fresh experience of the love of God, that as we talk about the fruit of the Spirit is love today, that, that as we take communion as we end this sermon, maybe even right now, we, we taste that fruit. We taste the love of God because the Holy Spirit has come to pour out the love of God onto our hearts, into our hearts. Let me pray for us. Father God, as we talk about fruit today, it, it strikes me that I forgot uh, part of my sermon. I got so excited. And it is that fruit takes time to grow. And so, God, we, we just thank you for the, for the timing of your Holy Spirit. And, and we just acknowledge the fact that the love of God is a gift to us. The fruit of the Spirit being loved, this is your gift to us. 
But God, we, we grow in time into the love of God. But I thank you also, Lord, today that, that by nature, that word love, it is not just a word on a page. And Father, for some of us, the, the love of God, it has been a statement um, that we read in our Bibles. Uh, it, it's been a static truth that we, we know is true eternally and spiritually. But Father God, I, I, I pray for, for a deep knowledge of your love, that we would be people who would feel the love of God. So Holy Spirit, just as we move toward communion, we ask you to make the love of God very real to us right now. In Jesus' name.